Hello, I am Nancy Lynn Westfield, Director of the Wabash Center. Thank you for joining me for this selected reading. This original blog, as well as all of my blogs, can be found on the website of the Wabash Center for Teaching and Learning in Theology and Religion. This particular audio blog is entitled, Courses Are Not Words After All. One of the many joys of reading poetry is the fluidity of meaning to which poems lend themselves. Mary Oliver's poetry allows the reader to imagine their own situation, ponder, then gain dynamic insight. From Mary Oliver's book, A Poetry Handbook, she writes this poem. For poems are not words after all, but fires for the cold, ropes let down to the lost, something as necessary as bread in the pockets of the hungry." End quote. Teachers, can we make this declaration with firm regard and assuredness about our courses, our teaching, our livelihood as faculty? What would it mean if with the help of Mary Oliver, we whispered one to another, our courses are not words after all, but fires for the cold, ropes let down to the lost, something as necessary as bread in the pockets of the hungry. Often I wonder what a course is or what it is for. I know the mundane of why courses are taught. The curricular obvious and the institutional mechanics are part of my understanding. I am not asking about the obvious nor the mechanical. Instead, I wonder if courses matter, are courses important, impactful, and when they are, what makes them so? What makes a course fire, rescue, or sustenance for the poor? Mostly, when I was enrolled in courses, very few experiences had the gravitas of the comparison with Mary Oliver's provocative images. Like most folks with a terminal degree, I was enrolled in formal coursework for over 20 years if you start counting from the time I was in kindergarten. In most cases, the teacher did not do anything wrong, but neither had they done anything like bringing fire for my warmth or letting down a rope when I was in a pit and I have inhabited cold, dank pits. It is too easy to recount experiences of flimsy teaching, but their commonness is crippling to our students. By the second week of a required course in college, my friends and I figured out that the lectures of the professor were excerpts from the primary text. During the weekly hour-long lectures, we sat quietly in class and highlighted the passages she read aloud from the retyped pages she laid on the podium. Occasionally, the teacher would skip pages to the text, causing us to, with a flurry, turn pages until we found the passages to which she had jumped. I always wondered if she noticed we were not taking notes, but highlighting in the textbook. And if so, what did she think about our behavior? At midterm and final in preparation for the test, my friends memorized the highlighted passages in the book. I, thinking that was a waste of time, got a B in the course because I refused to quote, study. I was bored in the course. We have all survived teaching that has been reduced to facts, words, and data. Mary Oliver bids us to take stock of the possibility that teaching could be, after all, life-changing and life-given. 
Given this opportunity, it would behoove us to set our intentions as if we are about course design with transformative power, the power to feed the hungry, locate the lost, and set the captives free. I have been a student in several courses where I received healing, inspiration, and renewed agency to meet my vocation well-prepared. Some courses shifted my core values and deepened my commitments. Some courses were exemplars of a call to action for the rest of my career. In 1985, one such course was entitled Ministry and Mission in the Church in the World Today. It was co-taught by Jack Seymour and Robert O'Gorman. I found the course interesting and equally, I was fascinated to watch the two scholar friends as they taught. I learned as much by watching them teach as I did by being taught by them. Three sessions before the end of the semester, I found myself sitting in the classroom quite frustrated. Near the end of the day's lecture, I raised my hand and fumbling for words, asked a question about implication and application. As was the established practice, each professor took a turn responding to my question. Both responses said that questions on implication were not part of the course per se. My frustration deepened. I furrowed my brow, frowned my face, and spoke back vehemently. I, in graduate school authorial voice, informed my teachers that our conversation had to include conversations on implication because without that, I said, quote, what was this course for? The two men were surprised by my outburst, but not deterred. They said they would discuss my request. At the next class session, Jack and Bob informed us that they had adjusted the course syllabus for the final weeks. The new design now included two sessions focused on implications and applications. At their announcement, the class cheered. I was amazed and changed by having had my curiosity taken seriously. I am not suggesting that all courses should include questions of implication. I am suggesting that if we are intentional, courses can become spaces for teachers and students who together learn to kindle passions, braid ropes to lower sojourners over sheer cliffs, something as necessary as cool water and drought. Thank you, Mary Oliver. And a special thanks to Dr. Paul Myrie. Paul is Senior Associate Director of the Wabash Center, composer of the music which frames this audio blog, as well as the sound engineer. Thanks to Rachel Mills, our audio blog producer. The Wabash Center is wholly funded by the Lilly Endowment Incorporated. This is Nancy Lynn Westfield. I'm just saying. <laughs>